Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Here this past Wednesday, the 11th of March, the incredibly brilliant will, if you will, (laughs) if you will, World Health Organization, that monumentally knowledgeable group, finally, belatedly, announced that COVID-19 coronavirus constituted a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic. Outstanding work. This is government action by committee. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. The World Health Organization, that's not government. Isn't that more paragovernment? That is not national government. Absolutely true. It is more on the line of world government. (laughs) Yes, the World Health Organization under the auspicious leadership of Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. Yes, they finally capitulated and declared this a pandemic. Outstanding leadership from the World Health Organization. A Dr. David Agus or Agis or what have you said the following quote when we say pandemic we mean it's gone all around the world clearly we hit that a while ago end quote yes clearly we did I have been referring to it as a pandemic for I've lost track a month and a half <laughs> just you know at least that but anyway It is now officially classified as a pandemic. The mortality rate, the fatality rate, or whatever you want to refer to it as, throughout Asia has been listed as being something to the tune of 3.9%. Whereas in Italy... It has been 6% or more. And speaking of Italy, the cases in the great nation of Italy increased, the reported cases increased by 20% today, Saturday, March 14th. The largest rise so far. Well, The great president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, statesman that he is, he finally declared on Friday the 13th that there is now a national state of emergency in the United States of America owing to this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. 
spot is just outstanding. One of his top people stated, this was a statement that was issued today. I believe Fauci stated that the number of cases in the United States of America has not yet peaked. Shocker there, huh? I mean, really? (laughs) Meanwhile, three more states announced their first fatalities. But on it goes. There will be more and more and more headlines concerning this as the days go by. What about the leadership of this great President Trump, who has been so heavily touted, promoted, sponsored, lauded by the foot soldiers, Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram and all of the hosts on another network that shall remain nameless and so forth. What about the leadership from this great man? This party animal who parties hardy, lives large, always has, and may have even managed to get himself infected at a party in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, at his resort, which was a birthday party for Kimberly Guilfoyle, current girlfriend, lover girlfriend of Donald Trump Sr.'s son, Donald Trump Jr. But President Trump, up until he declared this was a national emergency, he was afraid to do so, unwilling to do so, because he did not want to cause a panic. He did not want to do anything, to say anything, to do anything that would result in financial ramifications that would be harmful to the nation, but more to the point, harmful to his presidency, harmful to his reelection campaign. What has driven his lack of response has been selfish self-interest, right down the line. Now, again, these various famous talk show hosts who have become so rich from looking after their interests. This president, his entire focus with regard to coronavirus has been denial upon denial based on his fears of suffering politically. That is not presidential leadership. That is not statesmanship. (laughs) 
by any stretch of the imagination. That is politics as usual, is what that is. But this is not an anomaly. This is who he is. This is what he is. This is who and what he has been since he was a very young man. But, that being said, whomever shall be the Democrat standard-bearer will still be worse to have in the White House than this incompetent president. Meanwhile, Who are the various parties that have been involved with the incredible hodgepodge, dishonest response by the White House? Guess what? It's been Team Trump headed up by the president and heavily manned by his family. That's right. By golden boy, son-in-law Jared Kushner, and his President Trump's chillins. But, really outstanding. Meanwhile, President Trump's response yesterday, Friday the 13th, it was a reaction. He was forced into it. Because of the daily deluge of reports from around the world concerning this, in addition to the growing, (laughs) he officially referred to it as pandemic, it is world pandemic, but the growing epidemic pandemic in the United States of America. In previous days, there were reports of great displeasure by Republicans and Democrats regarding President Trump's administration's failures with regard to taking action against this, against the coronavirus, COVID-19, epidemic, pandemic. And while it has been a worldwide pandemic for a good long while, if you're looking at it in a very targeted, limited way to the United States of America, you could view it as an epidemic. But Joe Biden has spoken very recently, I mean just in the past two days, with regard to President Trump's colossal failures in terms of addressing this pandemic. Joe used the word pandemic a 
I believe, to give him credit, I believe, (laughs) as far as I can see, uh, right after who finally announced it. But President Trump was forced into action. Forced into action. That is the opposite of leadership. That is followership. He got drug into making a response. Kicking and screaming. (laughs) Screaming in his private communications over his intense displeasure at failure to sufficiently stimulate the economy to keep it from crashing in the context of this pandemic. But Trump's White House and the House of Representatives, they reached a deal on an economic relief package. Nancy Pelosi announced it, but it was a joint effort. And it was just announced yesterday, the 13th, and Friday the 13th. President Trump going back to the day that this was finally referred to as a pandemic. He stated that the United States of America, he gave this address, that the United States of America would suspend all travel from Europe excluding the United Kingdom and Ireland, and that that would begin yesterday, and it would extend for a month. Well, lo and behold, that was on the 11th, and now that has changed. Now the United Kingdom and Ireland have been added to that banned, prohibited list. Meanwhile, the State Department had announced that all non-essential travel by State Department staff, State Department employees, that that was suspended. President Trump also announced that it was possible that he might call for restricting travel in the United States of America if this coronavirus pandemic got too hot. It was a possibility. So we can look forward to that. But again, all of this is reactive. All of this is reaction from the president who's drugged kicking and screaming to finally make an announcement, to finally take action. Well, the latest from Europe, is that Spain has followed Italy's lead in putting its inhabitants, its population, its people under a so-called lockdown. Well, (laughs) the term lockdown, it reminds me of good old, bad old vice president, president would-be, Albert Arnold Gore Jr. and his lockbox for our Social Security. But this is a 15-day, one-half-month state of emergency. 
that is being imposed to try to head off this coronavirus, COVID-19. Epidemic within Spain, pandemic around the world. It was announced by the Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez today. But what do the restrictions amount to? All Spanish peoples living in Spain are required to stay home unless they have to go buy food, get medicine, go to the hospital, and presumably to doctor's offices, clinics, what have you, or to go to work, (laughs) or for other emergencies. So in other words, it is something less than really restrictive. So the name lockdown is just a wee bit excessive, shall we say, a little bit inaccurate. But meanwhile, here in the United States of America, again, I mentioned that three additional states reported their first deaths that are owing to this coronavirus, COVID-19 situation. Again, while I've been referring to it as pandemic for the world from the get-go, from the beginning, in any given state, it would seem that it's more appropriate to refer to it as an epidemic. But those states, New York State, which again has moved into first place in the United States of America for total number of reported cases. And now they have reported their first fatality. So they are way behind, lagging way behind the state of Washington. But it is very likely that they will be catching up, given the number of cases they have. In addition to New York State, that great state, The Empire State there in the Northeast. In addition, we have Louisiana in the Deep South. The state, the great state that Nolens is in. So in the deep, steamy, hot South on the Gulf of Mexico, Louisiana. And between the two, along the East Coast... We have Virginia, Virginia. So New York State to Virginia to Louisiana, each one announcing their first fatalities, which involves nationwide reported fatalities of 53. But meanwhile, Those primaries, Democrat primaries that are looming large, that are around the corner. This coming Tuesday, March 17th, there are scheduled Democrat primaries in Illinois. Big, big delegate count in Illinois. The land of Lincoln, (laughs) so-called. But really, it's the land of Chicago. 
the land of the Democrat Party machine that has owned Chicago and the state of Illinois forever and a day. Ohio, rich in delegates, very pivotal state. And Florida, another major delegate hall state. Three big Powerful, politically powerful states scheduled primaries for this Tuesday. Illinois, Ohio, and Florida. It is still possible, I imagine, that one or more could announce delay, postponement, postponement, rescheduling, Of their primaries. I suppose that's possible. It's getting awfully close. So it seems like it's probably not going to happen. But Georgia, Georgia, which was scheduled to have their primary one week later on the 24th, they have moved it from March 24th to May 19th. Because of this, because of the coronavirus, COVID-19. Louisiana, which just announced their first fatality, they have moved their scheduled primary from the 4th of April all the way to June 20th. That's right. So it is entirely possible that other states... And uh, areas may move theirs. Puerto Rico has a scheduled primary on the 29th of this month. But as far as for the big delegate halls, the heavy hitters, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio, the Ohio State, they are scheduled for this Tuesday. And Bernie Sanders, while Bernie may manage to, I don't know, scare up some uh, excitement and interest and whatever in various other states, he's kind of up against it if he doesn't do very well this Tuesday. If he doesn't really hold his own in Illinois, Ohio, and Florida, Chances are that we can bring Chris Matthews back to declare it's over, except with a different result. We will see. Of course, the Arizona primary looms large along with the debate prior. So, exciting, exciting times ahead of us. I haven't seen or heard anything about either Bernie or Joe announcing selection of their so-called running mate. Have you? I haven't. But as I have previously alluded to, have previously stated, I cannot imagine that 
whichever one gets there first, that they will not announce a woman running mate. I really am surprised Bernie hasn't done so, if he hasn't done so. This is right now about 9 o'clock at night. You're on Saturday, March 14th, Eastern Time. So maybe he has. Maybe he has announced, but I haven't heard it. But I would have thought that Bernie and Joe both would have made those announcements already. Now, you might say, why would that be? Why would you think that other than just sheer stupidity and whatever, you know? (laughs) Why would you think that? Well, it goes a little bit like this. One, Bernie needs a bump. More than Joe, Bernie needs something to draw supporters. Joe was in that position just a short time ago, right? But when Chris Matthews famously declared that it's over. But but now Bernie's in that position. And while it is traditional to wait until the convention... It is not unheard of for candidates to jump the gun on that, to name their running mate, for candidates who have not been selected as the nominee in order to juice their campaign, in order to add some extra petrol to their campaign, to try to, you know, create some excitement and bring people aboard. It's a bigger step, it's a stronger step than a mere endorsement. Hence, the (laughs) matter of urgency of trying to elicit the endorsement of Liz, Native American Indian Warren. But Liz, Emily's List Warren. Liz, Planned Baronhood Warren. But I have not seen or heard about her casting her endorsement for this one or that one yet. Maybe she has. Maybe she's even been, you know, tapped as VP. But again, the only way she's going to agree to that is if it is a deal that she cannot refuse. If they make her an offer that she cannot refuse, either man, Bernie or Joe, then she would go for that. But it's going to have to be a very, very compelling offer. Before I go further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, that's on me. That's due to me. That is my fault. But President Trump, again, this uh, remarkable party that was held down down yonder, down at Mar-a-Lago a week ago now, which included this birthday celebration for the beautiful, fabulously seductive Kimberly Guilfoyle. 
current girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr., former wife of California Governor Gavin Newsom back when he was mayor of San Francisco and presumably before that. But Kimberly Guilfoyle, previously a Fox host or hostess more correctly, but this rah-rah birthday celebration with her celebrating loudly (laughs) four more years and uh, giving it her usual exciting treatment. Fascinating the people that were in attendance, but without giving a laundry list of them, let me just mention that some who were present President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil, Fabio Weingarten, press secretary to the aforementioned president of Brazil, and Nestor Forster. That name doesn't seem to go along with the previous two, but he is Brazil's number one diplomat in Washington, D.C. Yes, well, the press secretary and the diplomat, they were later tested and were shown to be positive. They tested positive for coronavirus, COVID-19. They were celebrating at this dinner with the president of Brazil, with President Trump. President Trump has now belatedly been tested. You know, he's been feeling so hale and hearty and everything else that really didn't seem like there was any need for that. But now he has been tested. And we will undoubtedly be hearing the results sometime very soon. Something to look forward to. Again, another matter, another little element that I believe pushed him to make the statements that he's made, to take action, to declare a national emergency. But I mentioned inadequately previously about the Customs and Border Protection agency, and the remain in Mexico policy, so-called, you know, that it, what it is referred to as. And the action by that illustrious court, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which has power over California, Arizona, and a totality of nine states or so. Well, this Ninth Circuit Court, which is extremely leftist, extremely far left, even though President Trump has made, I believe it is, ten appointments to that court, 
Barack Hussein Obama had previously made eight appointments to that court. It is a big group consisting of at least 30 justices. But the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, it had made this great judgment that the remain in Mexico policy was illegal. And that policy is actually known as Migrant Protection Protocols. Well, lo and behold, even though the Ninth Circuit Court issued an order that upheld a federal judge's, a single solitary federal judge's ruling against this policy, halting the enforcement of that policy. The Ninth Circuit Court then, immediately after announcing that decision, that they were siding with that federal judge against enforcement of the Remain in Mexico policy, of the so-called Remain in Mexico policy, they at the behest of the Trump administration's lawyers and their arguments, they agreed to pause their own order, to delay their own order. Administration lawyers had stated that there would be a surge at the border that would occur if the Remain in Mexico policy was prevented from being enforced. Indeed, there would be. But even though they paused execution of their order, the court stated that the Remain in Mexico policy, so-called, that it is illegal And they would only agree to stay the injunction if issued by a federal judge against the program beyond their jurisdiction. Well, lo and behold, the Trump administration appealed to the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, not to be confused with state Supreme Courts, For a ruling on this, given that they stated that there would be a rush on the border to cross the United States of America-Mexico border from Mexico into the United States if enforcement of the remain in Mexico policy was prevented from being enforced. So... The Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, issued a decision on Wednesday the 11th. And wonder of wonders, they stated that they would allow Donald Trump's administration 
to continue to enforce the policy that requires asylum seekers, so-called asylum seekers, any coming to the border who declare they are seeking asylum, political asylum, that it would require them to wait in Mexico for court hearings in the United States of America. There was only one single solitary dissenting vote that I'm aware of, and that by unjust justice Sonia Sotomayor. Remarkable. (laughs) We will see what will transpire. But this action by the United States Supreme Court trumps the United States Court of Appeals Ninth Circuit. Fortunately, what is the relevance of this? You know, what does this have to do with the price of eggs? Well, lo and behold, this actually impacts all manner of things, including transmission of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. Why is it that nations like Italy and Spain are engaging in so-called lockdowns on their citizens? and preventing admission into their countries. Why is that, do you suppose? <laughs> Wholesale admission you know, into their countries, they are preventing that. Because push has come to shove, and now it's beyond some academic exercise, and it's a little matter of life and death. And they've had the uncommon good sense to make these decisions to protect their citizenry and their nations. Now, in the previous program, I believe, or the one immediately before that, I made mention of Trump Defense Secretary Mark Esper's statement. Of the following quote, all options are on the table as we work with our partners to bring the perpetrators to justice and maintain deterrence. End quote. This concerning these rocket attacks made against United States bases in Iraq. Our partners, who are our partners? who are going to help us bring the perpetrators to justice and to maintain so-called deterrence. That would be the Islamist regime in Iraq, among others. (laughs) All options are on the table. I mentioned previously that the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives had sent a bill 
to the president for his signature, which he will, I cannot imagine he would not veto. He will assuredly veto it. And it has been stated there are not sufficient votes to override his veto, but that measure is prohibiting him from exercising war powers against Iran unilaterally without their, without the support of, without the vote of the United States House of Representatives and Senate. But, again, should be a moot point. The president president assuredly will veto that legislation. That legislation really was not about stopping the president. Not really. I know that sounds silly, sounds ridiculous. Why would they do that? Politics 101. They are <laughs> they are framing the issue. Yes, there were a number of Republican senators that so-called crossed the aisle in order to join with their loyal opposition Democrat senators to pass that piece of legislation in the U.S. Senate. And then overwhelming support in the House of Representatives, which is controlled by the Democrat Party. But why would they do such a thing as that? You know, was it just a in essence, akin to a rhetorical device? Well, it was letting the people of the United States of America know that they are opposed to, in the most stringent way, strenuous way, activist way, they are opposed to the president's actions over there in the Mideast, in Central Asia. They were not kidding themselves that this would succeed in preventing the president from taking action if he so chose, but would require him to veto their legislation and to be on the record as having done that and, you know, being reckless and what have you. So, If the president, and I haven't heard whether he has signed it yet or vetoed it yet, but I will be shocked if he signs (laughs) instead of vetoing it. But if he vetoes it, then according to his defense secretary, all options are on the table to go after the perpetrators. The perpetrators being Islamists, Islamist Iraqis, Islamist Iranis, is that okay to to use that term? I'm using it. Who are in cahoots with one another and attacking United States positions. This is exactly what was anticipated prior to the elimination of a certain Iranian general. 
that he was actively engaged in the planning of such attacks. That it was on the cusp of these attacks being engaged in. At the time that he was taken out and along with him, the highest Iraqi leader that was involved in the same coordinated attacks against United States embassies, against United States bases, against United States personnel. And yet the world was outraged. The world wept about the demise of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Outrageous that the United States of America should slay this monster, (laughs) Qasem Soleimani, of Iran while he was in Iraq. Cooking this up. But. So. He was working again with Kataib Hezbollah. Which. Is akin to Hezbollah. Of Iran. But. These Katusha rocket attacks. They're going to continue. The Katusha rockets have been around back all the way back to World War II. They played a pivotal role for the Soviet Union against Hitler's Nazi forces. And like the Kalashnikov, the AK-47, They are still in use today. They have been upgraded, however, and they are very dangerous. Meanwhile, another actor involved in these goings-ons, none other than Vladimir V. Putin, whom I referred to previously, who is simply moving chess pieces around the board from the time he became deputy to Boris Yeltsin. It was a fait accompli that he would become not merely president of Russia, of the Russian Federation, not merely president, but president for life. President being a nice name for dictator for life. But president has that wonderful Western feel to it, you know. Well, Konstantin Malofif, this Russian oligarch, business magnate, who, among other things, owns a television channel, and Vladimir Putin, really cracked down on ownership of media. And yet he has been okay with Malofif owning a television channel. But Malofif 
stated that, quote, the quasi-monarchy that we basically now have is a very good thing. If we were now to start calling him emperor, not president, then we wouldn't have to change much in the Constitution, end quote. Him being Vladimir Putin. So, Malofif is acting here not as a, not in some sort of a press secretary function, but really as a, a, I don't know, entertainment tonight kind of thing, you know, as far as just spreading the rumors, right? Spreading it out there. We need to declare Vladimir Putin as emperor as being emperor of Russia, of the Russian Federation. Well, I mentioned about this very famous woman cosmonaut who ostensibly authored this bill, this legislation, to enable, at the very least, to enable Vladimir Putin to reset the terms for president, that he had already, he has almost fulfilled his two terms in office, and there is a term limit of two terms. So to reset that, so he could then continue for two more terms. She really, she, again, she was just used as a, as a front woman, as a figurehead. The legislation was handed to her. <laughs> it was crafted by the Kremlin. But the preferred solution, according to her, according to the Kremlin, really, was just to do away with term limits altogether. And this is just a more incremental way to do it, a way to cause there to be less public outrage. So Vladimir Putin, being the great statesman that he is, he signed this bill into law, you could say, except it still has to be approved in a nationwide vote, in a free and fair nationwide popular vote. Okay? So so it managed to get through Russia's parliament. Now it has been signed by the great man himself, and now it goes on to be voted by the Russian people, whether they will permit Vladimir Putin to have up to two more terms as Russian president de facto dictator, which would take him on through 2036. But again, this is just window dressing. That's all it is. This is just window dressing. The question wasn't, the question isn't whether Vladimir Putin would stay, whether he would remain in power. No, that was never on the table, regardless whatever Western experts say to the contrary. Never. And those brave, idealistic Russian people who have imagined 
that there was some sort of democratic political process and that they had a ghost of a chance of ever defeating him politically, they're mistaken. He is a dictator, strong man, and he will be there until he dies or until there is worldwide cataclysm or until he becomes worldwide dictator. And we will get to see what happens along those lines in the not-too-distant future. But meanwhile, Vlad is involved with Iran and with this, these matters in Iraq and everywhere that we are, such as Afghanistan and Syria. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.